everybody, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in on the people, characters, concept, places, and thingamajobs from that galaxy far, far away. We're going to have a flighty episode here, and I'm joined by my fellow flight attendant, Ross. Yeah, Mac. Uh, no light speed skipping. Keep all arms and legs inside the vehicle. No flash photography. Um, avoid black holes. Not good. No, you shouldn't do that. Today's flight, you'll be flying on a T-65 X-Wing. That's a space superiority starfighter vehicle, which only seats one, so make sure you carefully get in there. <laughs> one plus an astromech. Yes, that's One true. and a quarter? It's like a half bath? I don't want to get into if droids are people and how much they count as a person. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> Probably that. a good idea. You and your robot body can fly in the X-Wing, but make sure that you have your safety equipment. <laughs> Yes, you've got to wear a very special flight suit. In this case, a Rebel flight suit. We'll need to talk about that, too, I'm sure. And you need to remember to follow the examples of the great pilots that have come before you, like Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker, a classic pilot down in the names of history for being a terrorist who killed billions of people. That's one way of looking at it. Now everyone's freedom fighters, another one's hero, terrorist. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's that's all what we're from a certain point of view. <laughs> and that's what we're getting into. We're going to talk about the X-Wing today. We're going to talk about the X-Wing uniform, the Rebel pilot uniform. And we're going to talk about Luke's days as a pilot right after this. Okay, Mac. Mm-hmm. Hear me out. Okay. Your whole group of buddies has just gotten together and stolen some plans to a secret Imperial weapon. Mm, okay. Now, after a few days of uncertainty and dismay and suffering, all of a sudden, this giant space station has shown up and it's going to blow you to pieces if you don't stop it. That's not good. What ship are you going to send to prevent your imminent destruction? Let's see. Well, I'll probably send all my capital ships. I still have those, right? Unfortunately, those have all been destroyed. What else you got? Uh, Well, probably uh, my latest starfighters in my fleet. The A-Wings. Those are Mm -hmm. deployed here, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, they're quick. I don't have too many of those left. Ah, crap. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, what do we got? Like clone surplus stuff? Like the Y-Wing? I don't know. We might might have a few bombers laying around. Do we have any any, any X-Wings? We might have a few. I'll take an X-Wing over that. We got more pilots than we do ships, though. Oh, okay. Well, is there some sort of entrance exam so we can make sure that our pilots are most qualified? Yeah, yeah. If they shoot womp rats, they've got it. Let's say like a farm kid comes in. He's like, I'm really good at flying a Uh land vehicle. Yeah. I'd probably be great. Mm -hmm. Do we have a way to make sure that he bumps off like fake... Yes. Fake people? Like, yeah, I think I think we do. I think we do. I think it, it's... Because I don't want fake Wedge up there with me if I'm, I've am got death on the line. Yeah, yeah. You you want people with the real experience. You're right. Exactly. The real grit. The real metal, you know? The, the, the heavy duty. Because, again, yeah. we only have, like, what, 15 of these things? I, we're... Uh, by the seat of our... It depends what year, right? Mm. It, it depends. It, mm. it, it depends on who you ask. Mm. You might only have a couple of these. There might be a whole... A whole group of them flying in? I'm not sure. Now, my question is, would this space station be optimized towards a large-scale assault? Like, No, are we gonna... you're going to need the small ones. Oh, okay. You're going to need the okay. small fighters. Well, that, that's, that works out if all we have is X-Wings and Y-Wings. That sounds great. Uh, right, take the cowling off those Y-Wings, make them look kind of stumpy and not as cool as they did in the Clone Wars, and let's go. All right, let's do it. All right, I'm t- I am going to take an X-Wing. They are 
they're space superiority starfighters. They're much better. All right, Mac, tell us about the most classic starfighter in all of Star Wars, the X-Wing. If there's a bright center to the starship <laughs> universe of Star Wars, it is the T-65B Incom Space Superiority Starfighter, the X-Wing. The X-Wing? I've heard of that one. Yeah, it's kind of... I, I mean... Okay, so let's not understate this. The X-Wing is maybe one of the most important starship designs in the history of fiction. Yes. Um, Because it really made that big leap over from the kind of science fiction we had. Most science fiction was big ships. You know, you had things like... Um, the spaceship Enterprise. You had uh, the Discovery from 2001. In general, we were talking about big guys. And if you even go back to like, you know, more pulpy stuff that Star Wars mm-hmm. built out of like your Flash Gordons and, and your uh, Buck Rogers, we're talking about rocket ships, like, you know, many story tall rocket ships. So what Star Wars really sells it is the idea of dogfighting, mm-hmm. that we have these little fighter ships, which I'm sure has been written about in like novels and stuff, but to see it realized on the screen mm-hmm. of these very iconic, very informed by our fighter jets, these yeah. sleek, long fuselages with these wings that we kind of recognize, even though they're swept the wrong way. Like, this looks like something we can go, I kind of know, I can just see an X-Wing and I know what all the parts are doing. Yes, right? absolutely. And then they're going against these TIE fighters and you're like, I don't even know how those things land. I don't, I don't understand those. It's okay, they're blowing up a lot, so. Um, so the X-Wing, like I said, is... Super important, and it it inspired all kinds of stuff. The most direct thing was, like, Battlestar Galactica said, well, we can make a TV show where we just have the X-Wings, but they can't have the wings and look like X's because we'll get sued. (laughs) (laughs) But everything else, we'll do that. We'll do fighter pilots in space, and that's kind of what happened. So the X-Wing, which gets its name from the fact that in the back, it's got its double wing formation, and we call those strike foils because they fold out and they're widened out when they're in strike position, and they seal down to be better in, in theory, in atmospheric flight, like when they're flying. Mm-hmm. Not that those wings are really wings, but that's what we... It looks really cool when someone says lock S-foils into attack position, and... <laughs> it's very cool. It is very cool. What would you say your earliest memory of the X-Wing is, like connecting with that? Yeah, so I mean, the first time I saw an X-Wing was when Luke is leaving Hoth and flying off to Dagobah. Right, right. And then crashing into the swamp. So that is my sort of earliest memory of X-Wing, but I definitely have vivid memories of being in the theater for the special editions for A New Hope and seeing the X-Wings that they added into that shot. That beautiful curve around. Yeah, because that I remember that was the thing that like my dad was selling me on. He was like, so not only are these coming back, but there's going to be more X-Wings in it. And I know you like the X-Wings. <laughs> and that's sort of where uh, where it started. And then it went into toys. Uh, yep. So I had, uh, you know, the Power of the Force 2 uh, X-Wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had the uh, Action Fleet X-Wing, yeah, which I was a big fan yeah. of. Uh, and those were it. Those were kind of my X-Wing exposure. Uh, and I loved the X-Wing. The X-Wing was kind of the number one ship for me, uh, as it was for most people. I was definitely X-Wing over the Falcon. That always seemed to be kind of the argument. Okay. Um, I think I'm in that camp, too. Yeah, yeah. I don't. As I've gotten older, I don't know. It's tough. Um, how to fly an RV with some bunks does sound nice. Yeah. Like, cause Luke spends like a lot of time in the cockpit of an X-Wing. I'm assuming there's some sort of hookup for, um, <clears throat> bodily necessities, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we learn later on that like when Jedi are on long flights, they can go into meditation. But when we first meet Luke, that's not happening. Oh, I was saying, and, and it's like Wedge isn't doing that. So like <laughs> someone's gotta be, yeah, there's gotta I be some tubes here who can handle it. Yeah, it seems nice. Yeah, um, huh, it's funny. I guess my first exposure to me is Luke saying, "I can't follow you guys. I need to go back to Dagobah because I saw Return of the Jedi first. Yeah, and then Wedge blows up the Death Star two with one. <laughs> guess that was sort of where it was. But my connection with the X Wing mm-hmm. as a thing. Um, and my love of starships can usually be traced back to like 1993 and playing the X Wing computer game sure sure i think a lot of people fell in love through gaming well that's whether it's with x-wing or you know any of those 
Well, because the thing about it is like, you know, we talk about like, I'm very nerdy about this stuff. It's like, well, yeah, that's where I learned about what the S foil means. It means a strike foil. Mm -hmm. And we have astromech droids on board because they can fix the ships in mid-flight. But most importantly, they're also the astrogation tools. You can't make a hyperspace jump without a Navi computer. And an astromech's an easy way to socket one in without having to pay for a Navi computer. Mm -hmm. Not to mention the fact that's where you get the fire-linked uh, laser cannons. It's got four cannons on each one of the tips of the lasers, and you can fire those in linked mode, where they shoot two at a time, or all strike mode, where all four of them fire at the time, or you can have it in cycling, where it'll shoot one, then the other, then the other, then the other, and just keep cycling through. That's the stuff that Little Mac just devoured mm -hmm. and just sunk his teeth into. <laughs> um, and realizing, you know, shield generators, and you can flip them fo double forward, double back, and like rearrange those, and I think that's what really started making Star Wars a place to me was like, oh, these aren't just like toys. These are real starships. Yeah, real starships. This is how they really work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it's kind yeah. of funny, but like, it's, it's, it's a hallmark of this kind of stuff is people, you know, people look at the, the X-Wing and they're like, it's not just a ship. Like, they can tell you all the parts. Because like I said, it's beautiful because you see it once and you know exactly what's going on. You know where the pilot sits. You know how it all works. And then when you get into it more, you start noticing, oh, what are these black streaks on the sides? Oh, that's where the two proton torpedo launchers are. The things that Luke fires that, you know, blows up the Death Star. Oh, okay, well, what, what's, what's this little, like, notch? It kind of, like, goes back in a smooth fuselage, and there's this big, weird bump. Well, in Empire, you realize that, oh, well, that's where Luke's getting stuff out of. That's the cargo bay. Um, and then you're like, well, what's all this fiddly bits on the back? It's like, oh, well, that's where like the hyperdrive and stuff is. Cause you see Luke like cleaning it out on Dagobah. <laughs> um, and it's just, um, it's such a cool ship and it's weird. Cause I think that empire is the place you get the most intimate with it. Cause Luke's pouring over his, trying to get yeah. it fixed, pulling it out of the swamp. It's sinking into the swamp. Mm -hmm. You also get to see it there outside of the hangar parked for the first time because it's out just on the ice plains of Hoth right. in Empire. So you get to, at the beginning, see it outdoors parked, which you haven't really, you've only seen it kind of in dark light and shadow, not in bright daylight. And it also tells us that, like, the X-Wing is not just, it's the, it's the perfect Jedi adventure vehicle because it's not... It's not what they, uh, well, this is more of a mecha term, but like a hanger queen. It's not something that needs to have this special rack in. The, it's not the TIE fighter. The TIE <laughs> fighter may or may not be able to land, depending on what the last episode of The Mandalorian means for the future of Star Wars. But, you know, like you, you think about the TIE fighter and like that has to go back to this hanging claw that holds it in this Star Destroyer. That's how it's designed. It's not designed to go on excursions to swamp planets and desert planets and snow planets, whereas the X-Wing is your really nice, hot, fast car that you can hop in and go wherever you want. And it's awesome. And Luke <laughs> thought it was so great. He's like, well, that's what I'm taking to act to. I'm going to take take my ride. You're going to dump it in the water? Yeah. I'm going to get rid of it. You going to sink it? Well, I mean, I'm going to... I'm going to seal it. I might need it later, just you in never case. Know. It's still fully functional. I'm not, I mean, I, it's too good. I love that car. They don't <laughs> rust, apparently. No, 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 of course not. They're made out of, you know, like Durasteel. Yeah. That stuff's great. That, it, it's perfect. Um, So, I mean, yeah. And it's also, you know, the X-Wing is the thing that starts off all the other stuff. You know, oh, it's the X-Wing. And uh, what about that ship? Well, we made an X-Wing. I guess that's a Y-Wing. <laughs> Well, what's that? I mean, it kind of looks like an A. It's an A-wing. And what's that? Oh, that must be the T-wing. No, no, it's actually uh, the B-wing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. And the important thing about Star Wars uh, and the X-wing is, you know, the X-wing is also one of those things that has been endearing. Other than the prequel era, it shows up pretty much all throughout the rest mm -hmm. of Star Wars once it's been introduced. Um because you see it as a updated model, the T-70s and the T-71s in the sequel trilogy. Like Poe Dameron's is a T-70, and then the ones in the Resistance TV show that are slightly better are T-71s. Um, and you see it just, it just shows up everywhere. Like I said, Luke has his still, Ray eventually takes his ship and flies mm -hmm. it away. Um it is such an iconic and wonderful ship, and it just is, I think, a great, great centerpiece of the idea of Star Wars is a grounded place, because this ship feels real. Yeah, the pseudo-realism that Star Wars brings 
with all of its technology and its ships and all that kind of stuff is a huge driving force, I think, for why it hooks people uh, and why so many people look at this stuff and go on to become engineers and rocket scientists or droid builders in their you know in their spare time as their hobby because you see this technology that to max point you know it's not real you know it's fake you know it's a special effect for a movie but it looks and feels and acts and behaves real like when i'm watching the sequel trilogy and seeing all the crazy things poe can do in his x-wing never once do i think oh this doesn't feel like something this ship could do you right. know and, and that idea i think is endearing and then like you said for in episode five the x-wing becomes sort of a, a mini character yeah when it's on dagobah because it becomes important to the story yep it's great i mean how can you have a ship that is that iconic and that long lasting i mean it's you know just like the falcon just like the tie fighter it's going to be around in Star Wars forever, and we'll forever. keep seeing it pop back up because it's too iconic to let go of. I would say even um, the older type, the Z95 Headhunters, which were like basically X-Wings, but they don't have X. They just have a flat wing, and they're a little more primitive. Like Even those, which were like, yeah, those were sort of in the X-Wing games as an excuse and stuff, but like then Clone Wars brought them in. And Clone Wars like... Oh, we can't bring the X-Wings in, but let's uh, let's uh, let's start bringing those Z-95 Hunters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, the uh, well, they don't have the X part. Uh, bring on those ARC-130s, the clone fighters. Those will <laughs> give us the X, because, like, it's just too good of a design to not be using. Exactly. Now, the important thing here to remember is, when you're flying an X-Wing, you also have to not only know how to fly, but you have to be wearing the right attire. You do. And there's a couple things that go along with that. Mac, would you like to talk about that? Let's do it. Let's do it. Right after this. I can't hold them. Next one coming down the catwalk is a very good-looking utilitarian outfit. This nice orange number is provided by the requisition forces of the Rebel Alliance. Now, I love how the red and yellow of the helmet complement the orange. You know, it's a nice offset. You can see the tones. They're using a similar vocabulary of color mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. You know what I like? I like the piping along the arm. That reoccurring like pattern. You also see that in the vest section. It's very nice, yes, yes. Very pleasant. Yeah, that texture adds a lot of character and personality to the look. I'm with you. What's the, those belt doodly doos that are by their legs? I don't I don't Well, so the important thing about the harness mm-hmm. is not only does it wrap around their waist, but then it comes down and wraps around their legs as well. Just in case. Just in case. Just Double in- hold. I would say when you eject hot and fast from a from an X wing, you don't want to be uh, you know thinking about am I securely in my harness? No. You've got to be sure because there's a lot that could go wrong. You know what? If you were ejected from your cockpit, wouldn't you want a rebreather? No. You know what? I'm probably overthinking it. Ah, uh, yeah, I wouldn't worry. I think this is more in atmosphere. And while I'm sure it's really, really hard to see out of that yellowy-orange lens, I like how it complements the color of the uniform. It makes a big difference, yeah, for sure. No doubt about it. And this Darth Vader-like box in the middle? Looking great. You never know when you'll need some extra buttons to press. You you might need it. Mm-hmm. Hey, Ross, what are we talking about? <laughs> Today we are talking about uh, the... Well... Can I say X-Wing pilot gear? Should I say Rebellion pilot gear? I think we can say Rebellion because even the ones that are in there are variations of this. Yeah. And in I think at New Hope, I think pretty much everyone's wearing this. Yeah, pretty much. So what you've got is you've got a multi-piece outfit that Mm -hmm. our characters are going to wear whenever they're piloting a starship. 
Yep. And there are many reasons why they wear this outfit. So, I mean, of course, you know, a pilot, any pilot is going to have a uniform they're going to wear that has some sort of technical enhancements, you know, whether it's just simple like a breathing mask or maybe something, you know, in our world, a pilot might have like a heart rate monitor to monitor their vital sure. signs, things like that. These suits are doing similar things in the Star Wars universe. Yep. They're helping keep pilots' bodies regulated for temperature while they're in space. And for G's, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of our, our pilots in our world world where g-suits that like apply pressure to different parts of the body so that blood doesn't pool in different parts of you mm-hmm. very cool and that's and that's what this is referencing the, the 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 classic rebel pilot uniform is very much a bunch of guys going down to like the vietnam war surplus store and saying like do you have this in orange <laughs> and i love that it's in orange it, it's what makes it look sci-fi and spacey because you would not see orange in a military outside of like maybe Navy divers or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Where did they, do you have any idea where they got the idea for orange from? I have no idea. Yeah, I'd love to know because it is such an odd and off the beaten path color. Generally. It might've just, I mean, anytime you have filmed this old in the seventies, I just go, it's probably cause it looked good in the film. Yeah. It's like, uh, like one of the most classic example of this is, um, when you think of classic star Trek, you think of like, Oh, well, they're wearing uniforms, gold, blue, and red. Well, the gold wasn't gold; it was green, but the way it filmed made it look yellowy gold. Oh, wow! So it's one of these things where, like, there was a time before color correction and color timing where you couldn't guarantee it would look exactly right. So you're sometimes cutting cloth and scenes and stuff so it filmed correctly, even if in physical life it wouldn't be. And Very Star Wars is like right at the end of that era, so. My guess is that they just probably maybe did some like pattern tests and said like, oh, no, orange pops really well with all of our CG. Oh, there's another thing. This would be more important later, but uh, orange will not get screwed up by a blue screen. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. So when like Dak and Luke are definitely in blue screens fighting in Endor, like that orange, it's not going anywhere. It's going to stay right in the frame when you key out the blue. Yep. Yep, it is, uh, it's going to stand out no matter what you do. Now, okay, this outfit is made up of many different pieces. Yes. So we know we have the primary orange sort of undersuit. You want to start at the bottom or the top? Uh, let's go uh, Let's go to the bottom because it's more uniform when we go bottom to top. Okay, gotcha. So obviously we start out, we know they're wearing boots, right? They have the matching black boots, black gloves, mm-hmm. right? So they've got some standard kind of insulated boots. Now, they've got a round sort of right below a knee, and they only have this on one leg. They've got sort of Mm -hmm. like a band, and this band looks like it has little cylinders in it. Right, and according to, uh, we're using the Star Wars Tech Journal as our guide here, a book Mm -hmm. that, yeah, it's technically outside of canon, but nothing's changed. So, um, you know, where they say that this is where some of the emergency stuff is. These are emergency transmitters and flares. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got a couple of them, right? Because you never know when you're going to need a couple of flares when you're stranded in a swamp and you need to get your ship out, right? Oh, yeah. And you figure some of those transmitters, you probably have to put like three or more of them out so that they can triangulate where you are Mm -hmm. or whatnot. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got like a pocket right above that, too. So like everything on like this would be the uh, left, Mm -hmm. the pilot's left hand uh, knee. Um, is all there so if you know you're pinched in the cockpit you can at least grab the transmitter or the flare fire it out and hope your buddies find you (laughs) you can hope right yep and as we go up then you get to again the pieces of the harness that hang down by the knees there's these loops um and i think this is inspired by real life where they have the um the ejector seats the Mm. idea is that when if you were ejected from that that would cinch right up on you and basically grab the heft of your like thighs along with all the other parts the harness is connected to to lift you up and out of the cockpit gotcha gotcha gotcha. that's my guess that makes sense i could see that all right and then above that we've got some uh some pockets for holding on to things we know we've got the safety gloves on the glove we've got the comm link yeah, this little box that's mm-hmm. on the, like, gauntlet piece. Yeah, and we see it used um, uh, in Hoth. Yep. You know, we see it used a couple times there uh, with Han and Luke. Uh, so we get some sort of close-ups of it. Mm-hmm. And then we have the control conduit, which is that uh, sort of tubing yep. that comes up the center. And that plugs into the suit system controls. Which is that glowy box on their chest. Yeah, the Vader-like box. And that allows them to control, you know, their breathing, um, the pressure of the suit, the temperature, stuff like that. 
Right. And then basically uh, you've got the flak vest. The white flak vest is positioned behind that. Mm -hmm. Because that's kind of like the biggest pieces is you've got the boots, the gut and the gloves. You've got this orange like coverall and then you've got this white sort of like let's be honest it looks like like half of a like a catcher's baseball like uh a piece in white yeah. and that gray box just sits right on top of it yes absolutely and then it looks like when you look at that box and that white vest they all look like they're kind of like it's layered on top of one another yes uh, and then the the orange jumpsuit also has uh what is called thermal tubing it's those sort of like the folds ribbing. that run down the side yeah ribbing that runs down the arms, and that is to help regulate the temperature of the pilot when they're in, you know, extreme cold environments or, you extreme know, heat. extreme heat. Yeah, exactly. Um, you've also got, you know, the the rebel insignia on the helmet there, mm-hmm. and then the helmet also has, as Mac pointed out, the blast shield that drops down. Yep. You know, the visor. Um, let's see. Did I miss anything important? Uh, the the all valuable chin strap to hold it into place. Can't forget that. Huh. I just think I'm gonna brain had a brain insight oh well so one of the things i always i'll be honest i mock a little bit about the uniform is you've got these amber lenses these orangey amber lenses that come over your eyes and i go that would stink to have to like look at the world through that color to try and fight and stuff Mm -hmm. but i wonder if that may be on purpose inspired because when i think about like laser safety in our world like most laser protective eyewear is that it's an ambery yellow. I wonder if they were just like, well, in the future you're fighting with lasers. So you got to have a laser protection. Like that might actually be more on purpose than I give it credit. You have to protect the eyes before you're blown up. You do. It's very important. You do. And um, so the cool thing is I also say while we're on the helmet is you've got the strip that goes like the Mohawk strip, which Mm -hmm. is also if it's like our real world pods would control the visor and blast shield coming up Mm -hmm. and down. Mm -hmm. You've kind of got this insignia on the very side over the ear because that's where we actually have the electronics for the Comlinks uh, interface with the helmet. And the other thing I also want to point out is these are fighter pilot helmets. So there's a lot of variations. So like wedges has like black and yellow gridding on it. We've seen other fighters who have like, you know, it's the rebel signal, but that has stars around it or it doesn't have stars around it. Mm. Um, There's a bunch of different unique props to it. Yes. It uh, it's part of the fun, right? Because a lot of the, the kind of the mythos is that the hel the helmets are painted by their pilots, right? Uh, some you know do different things with them, paint them based on their squadron, or paint them based on like keeping track of their their ships they've shot down, things like that. Uh, in Legends, there was a lot more talk about that kind of stuff. And you know what? It's a nice crossover for our world, for especially you and me. It follows the great tradition of of individualizing your 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 headgear just like goalies in the national hockey league that's exactly right that's exactly right that's why you see uh you know luke flying around with a giant mural of coruscant on it you know what i'm sure there's someone i mean think of like sabine stuff like from uh rebels i could definitely see her helmet would be that level of art (laughs) it could happen i mean she's always changing stuff up she, that's true. She I think she's going to end up painting the Mandalorian's armor at some point. That would be rad. I mean, I think, you know, she's he's around. A, he's already got the silver. So I think you add some green in there to, to match your child. Let's go ask for a, how many Hasbro, how many variants they need of that figure. They're <laughs> already up to, to two. So I'm ready to buy. Yeah. Oh boy. Figures. It's, it's an exciting time for figures coming up. You know, what? let's just focus on that for just a second. Like, yeah. This is one of the first figures I owned is I owned uh, Power of the Force 2 uh, Luke in X-Wing uniform. Yep. And my favorite thing about it is he barely fit in the (laughs) X-Wing. But he fit better than the normal Luke because the normal Luke literally would not fit in it. Would not fit at all, yeah. Because the pilot Luke, uh, initially you could get it with the X-Wing. It came with the X-Wing. And because I think that was the same X-Wing that had the R2 built in. Like it was just the head and yeah. you press it down and it made sounds. Yes. And from what I remember. You know what? That's probably where I got it from because now yeah. I'm thinking about like that's the one I had. Yeah. I think the Luke figure came with that. I had um, neither the the buff farm boy Luke or the pilot Luke. I had the episode six all black. Uh, with that green light. That was, the, yeah. that was the Luke I had. And I also had the um, – I had a uh, – what is it? The um, 
Oh my gosh, for the life of me. The one where he's dressed up in like the red Imperial Guard outfit. Um, oh, the, oh, the cor- uh, no, the uh, Coruscant Guard. Yeah, The Imperial yes, yes, Coruscant yes, yes, Guard. Yes. I had Love that, that figure. one as well. Those were my two Lukes that I had. Bet he wouldn't up. fit in the X-Wing now I'm thinking about uh, it. He definitely would not. The helmet or no helmet would not have fit into the X-Wing. And of course, we both mentioned we had Action Fleet, so we had like yeah. the little... Uh, the tiniest Luke. The tiniest Luke. Yeah. Uh, uh, Luke, uh, Luke, Pilot Luke was the first Black Series figure. Really? First six inch, number one, Pilot Luke. I did not know that. Yeah, Pilot Luke, uh, yeah. Huh. It's a yeah. great figure. You actually have one of them here. Yeah, I brought, I brought it down. I brought it down to, uh, to, uh, use as a reference point here. He's a cool little guy. He, Let me uh, ask you a question, because I don't have yeah. it on my diagram. Is there anything interesting on the back there? No, on the back, it's just more of the vest, more of the flak vest. And uh, it's got some of that same uh, ribbing and uh, a couple uh, on the figure here, uh, what look like, you know, buckles that kind of strap it together. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, But that's, yeah, I mean, that, no, nothing really crazy or anything like that. And uh, I can't think of any instances in the films where there would be anything, you know, interesting behind too. It's normally a pretty solid color. and Makes sense. You don't, you don't want anything sticking in your back while you're sitting in the cockpit. So, um, <laughs> true. Great uniform. If you want to go build one, uh, the rebel Legion has a whole grump bunch of people running around in them so yeah. they can teach you how to build them. Um, and honestly, especially if you get like from like Amnos or you get from like the black series, like the black series helmet. Yeah. Once you get that, the rest of it's a lot easier. It's not that hard <laughs> to get orange. It's not that hard to get orange coveralls and work from there. Yeah. You um, can make it happen. But it's uh, it's iconic. It's brilliant. It shows up in mm, a bunch of the Star Wars movies. I would say more than half. You mm-hmm. got the original trilogy. All three of them have it in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got it in um, Rogue One. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's in Solo. We never really see any real Rebels in Solo. I don't think it's in there. No. Um, definitely in Rebels. Yeah. Definitely in, uh, I think you see it even in Resistance. Some of the old yeah, pilots are wearing see, it. See Bo, yeah. You see a yellow variant on Bosk. He's kind of wearing a yellow yep, version of yep. this. It's in the Mandalorian. It the is in the Mandalorian. Six. That's uh, true. When that strike team comes in, uh, I mean Poe's wearing a. He's wearing a uh, modern variant of it because they really outfit, restructured yeah. the helmet. But that's yeah. a topic for another time. <laughs> that's right. It's not this outfit. Because we're going to shift gears. Let's go. Do you want to talk about someone who wore this uniform? I do. Dazzlingly? I do. I do. You mean Elo Asti? No, again, he's wearing the newer one. I'm talking about the OG. Oh, uh, Wedge. Got it. Close. Skywalker is many, many things, but one thing that he definitely is, is a heck of a pilot. 
Yeah, he's a war criminal. He's a traitor to the empire. He's a terrorist. He's a religious zealot. Yep, for yep. a dead religion. Yep, on top of that, leader, a cult leader. Uh, he's a lot of things. You're right. You're right. But as you said, a pilot is one of the first things we really get to see Luke be on his own. You and know, ironically, it's... I think he's legally licensed to be a pilot. That's like one of the few things he isn't breaking the law you about. Think he has his class C. He's... No, actually, I don't think he does. <laughs> I think he's got like one of those like pilot. He's got a pilot license from the military that's like, well, all the hours still count. Well, you still got to survive for civilian aircraft. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So today we're talking about Luke Skywalker. We've already had two fun flight filled topics before this. And mm-hmm. so now we're going to talk about Luke as a pilot. So we know Luke is a great Jedi. Yes. We know Luke is a great friend and a great warrior and a great hero. But before all that, Luke was kind of just a boy who was a pilot, and he was a good pilot, and that was about it. That's what made him unique and special and different. Like so many kids out in the sticks, he just cared about his car. (laughs) That's right. Now, when we first meet Luke Skywalker in Episode 4, he wants to get out of his home. He wants to leave. He has dreams about leaving this place. And how do you do that? A starship, right? So if you have dreams of leaving and, okay, I need a starship to do that, well, obviously, you're going to want to learn to fly. We even see in Episode 4, Luke has a little model of his Skyhopper that he flies around, you know, with his hand. just as. If you think of, like, Luke's little den where he's, like, taking care of the droids, giving them an oil bath, like, right behind there is a catwalk that goes over to, like, the living area where he goes to get food. And right next to that catwalk is the the family's T-16 Skyhopper, this triangular-shaped, it's not a starship, but it's it's an airspeeder. Mm -hmm. And it's made by the same people that make the X-Wing, and it's been always kind of set in canon, like, if you know how to fly one Incom ship, you know how to fly them all, so... That's why Luke is already good to go fly an X-Wing is because he's been he spent his entire training days on these things, these local he's ships. He's had the practice, right? And uh, we know that Luke, uh, from his dialogue in Star Wars, has spent plenty of time practicing flying and uh, bullseyeing womp rats, as he says. I used to bullseye womp rats in my T-16. They're not much bigger than two meters. Think about some... how big that is. My God, right? Like, those are huge. Yeah, terrible rats. Terif- terrible, That's terrifying like rats. most of the way to a Chewbacca. Like, it's <laughs> a lot of rat. <laughs> Everything looks small when you're flying. That's true. That is right? That actually is true. So, uh, we see Luke uh, have this desire to fly. We know that this is where he's heading. We know that this is what he wants. But... Even when he is sort of, you know, around starships later, he goes and he meets Han Solo and he's around the Millennium Falcon, right? He goes, I'm not such a bad pilot myself. I could do it, you know? And he's just got that confidence, even though he's oh. never left Tatooine. Well, it's one. Of, so one of the things I think about early Luke, especially when you have all the material added together, like we know he likes to hang out at Tashi Station over in Anchorhead <laughs> with his other friends. And we know that one of the things about the friends is it seems like most of them are flyers or at least they like to hang out and joyride with flyers because mm-hmm. it's very heavily implied that he and Biggs, that's how they became friends is like racing their T-16 <laughs> yeah. through Beggar's Canyon, eyeing the stone needle, stuff like that. Yeah. Bullseye and Womp Rats. That's right. That's right. Um, And in the one lost scene where Biggs is telling Luke, like, well, you know what? I've been approached by the Rebellion. I want to, if I'm going to die, I want to die fighting for something I believe in. And Luke's like, oh, well, I was going to go to the Imperial Academy to be a pilot. Well, yeah, Luke, you, you, you should still do that. Get an education and, and stuff. But I'm going to join the Rebellion. Well, now I want to join the Rebellion. I mean... That was pretty quick of you, but I mean, okay, yeah. I mean, these the, kids are hearing the propaganda and they're leaving a good, solid opportunity to better themselves with the Empire and they're just throwing their lives away, these beatniks. I'm tired of it. I'm just but a humble moisture farmer doing unnecessary work to help this planet's economy and its food supply. And all he can think about is, I'm going to go to the Academy next season. It's the harvest. It's when I need him most. It's only one more season. It's only one more season. God. Again, but I just find it funny that he has that whole conversation. And then Biggs is basically like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And Luke's like, yeah, no, I, the Empire. I hate him. I've always hated him. I've always hated the Empire. Totally against him. And I feel like it's the same thing of like when he meets Han Solo. Like, 
what a piece of junk. You know, I'm not a half bad pilot myself. Then like a scene later, it's like, what the heck is that? That's a, the Navi computer saying that the deflector shield's going down. I thought you knew how to fly things, kid. Cause get me, let me, let me just tell you, I'm sure is the deflector shield on or off is in the 101 course of flying a starship. <laughs> because it's not buried deep in the manual. You don't want to fly through a supernova or crash through a star. That will end your trip real, real quick. quick. <laughs> so like you said, I love that Luke is very confident, but he is a man who does not know what he really wants. He no. knows one thing. I need to get off this dust ball. And he does. He, he does. succeeds. Now, he makes it into a starship, doesn't have a great first experience, gets sucked into a giant death ball. Um, not great. But on his escape from the death ball, he does get some chances to practice shooting at starships. So now we know, you know, he's he's flown a little bit, and now we get to see him operate a weapon, and this is some good practice for what will come later. Right. And we see that he's he does have instincts and... Probably the burgeoning force is probably helping because just like his father, you know, you know, Anakin was a great pilot when I met him. He's like, he's doing pod racing. He's the only human that does it. Like his dad already showed that like early yeah. people with the force have a way with machines and they have a way with flying them. Yeah. The way I've always interpreted this, because this is something that I think, especially after the prequels comes up, all Jedi could be good pilots. Because yes. of their attunement with the Force. They just have a better awareness of everything around them. Absolutely. And then you have the Skywalker family who are just sort of a step above that. And I think that's how you're meant to interpret it. They're tapping into it at younger ages and more intuitively. Mm -hmm. Yeah, know. they're just taking to it naturally. That's kind of how I look into it. Like, like any Jedi can hypothetically learn to lift something with their mind. Right. Any Jedi can learn to cut down a battle droid. Right. right. But not every Jedi may be able to race a pod. Well, I think a good example of this is you have characters who are, are known good pilots in the prequels like Sasetian and Plow Koon. Mm -hmm. And you get the feeling that they probably started out like like Luke, mm -hmm. like they had a knack for it. Yeah. Whereas people like Obi-Wan are like, oh, I have to fly the starship. I don't hate it. But he's already like we saw the chase in episode two. He's already a better pilot than almost than like professionals. Yeah. But he doesn't like it because... It's probably only his Jedi skills that's giving him the edge. He doesn't have a intuitive knack for yeah. this stuff. That's how I interpret it, for Me. sure. Totally. Okay. So let's get to the real meat of it here, <laughs> all right? Because there's one big scene where Luke gets to be a hero pilot, and it happens at the end of Episode 4. So Luke has already beaten out a bunch of people for one of the final starships one of the final x-wings that the rebel alliance has the new kid earns a set of keys mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly he's taking the family station wagon out for a joyride and, and there's just someone yelling about nepotism like what just because biggs knows him he gets to fly <laughs> uh if you don't know we're talking about another reference to from a certain point of view our favorite the book. only star wars book we seem to ever talk about we don't try to it's uh, just always where it ends up <laughs> We don't, which is funny. Anytime we talk about episode four, at the end, there's a story that is just a bunch of pilots in the rec room on Yavin being like, what the heck's with this Skywalker guy? He just showed up and got a spot on the attack force out of nowhere. That should have been me. And it's really great. Well, and it's great because it's it's not really them. The great part about it is like, they're not mad at Luke. Like, they sort of are. But it's more of the, these are the guys who are the second stringers who weren't, there weren't enough ships for them. Yeah. They're, they're benched. Yeah. And they're watching all of this happen, just like Leia and yeah. General Dodonna are just going like, that guy blew up. I, if I was him, I wouldn't have blown up. Like, I would have been done better. I, I would have. Yeah. I should be there, man. I should be there. Not only that, not only you'd be like, oh, sorry, you're not good enough to have a ship. But if these other guys were sending fail, you're dead. Yeah, you're going to just blow up. Yeah. Nothing you can do about that. Yeah. Root so, for, uh, for your teammates. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just let them know you're thinking of them. Uh, and, and Luke does show. So once we get to the Death Star, like yeah. you see that Luke is meant to be, you know, backup. Yeah. He's red five. Yeah. He's kind of the lowest one in the squadron. I think all the squadrons went to six, I think. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's basically just supposed to escort attack runs. It's Red Leader that's part of his attack group that's going to be doing all the runs. And then Red Leader gets knocked out. And so now, like, Biggs has to make a run. And, like, Luke's, like, starting to show leadership skills. He's like, all right, we'll keep those ships on the back. Go full throttle. You could probably get it if you go full throttle. They can't keep up with you. 
And, like, he's already showing, like, he's got instincts for what should be happening. Mm-hmm. And they're taking out the tower guns and stuff like that. And even, like, people like Wedge and stuff are kind of like, well, this, I don't, this kid's got good moves. Let's, okay, we'll follow him, I guess. Yeah, sure. And then at the very end, it's just basically, like, like Luke's one of the people left. He's like, all right, we, we got to go. I, I'm going to take an attack run. And like, I, you sure, buddy? Yeah, let's go. And he goes back in, and then his entire defense team gets knocked out, and there are three TIE fighters just beating down on him. And he's, like, trying to get this, like, measurement. He's like, God, this shot is going to be so hard. The target computer can barely get it. And then this old man pops in his head. <laughs> so then the question you have to ask yourself there is, is Luke only pulling this off because he's got Ben there telling him to trust the Force? Maybe the shot, maybe the proton torpedo yeah. shot, but I think the rest of it's him. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. the rest of it's him is just like, yeah. he. I, I feel it's like, it's like in microcosm, it's like Anakin at the end of episode one. I'm like, wait, spinning's a good trick. Like translating what he knows to this and eventually it hits that groove and he's like, oh yeah, I have no experience with this starfighter. I got it. <laughs> I can figure this out. I got this. It's I can make fine. this work. Yeah. Um, and so Luke turns off his targeting computer and then everyone, of the, everyone who's been just like, what's he doing? <laughs> Can't make a shot without a targeting computer. This guy's hopeless. Send him home. Oh my God. He's going to get us killed. <laughs> we only get one shot at this. Not to mention he's lost his entire escort. He's going to get blasted before he even gets to the shot. His astromech's gone. What's he going to do? He's toast. Is someone yelling Yahoo through the comps? God, that's loud. It's peaking. <laughs> And here comes Han Solo, and he and Chewbacca blast the crap out of those starships, and surprisingly do not end the franchise by killing Darth Vader. He just spins out. Uh, And Luke's like, you know, hey, I'm clear. Cool. Boom. And just shoots the proton torpedoes, gets that million to one shot, causes the chain reaction. Mm -hmm. He and, like, the, like, six other ships that have made it and the Millennium Falcon all fly away as... The entire Death Star explodes. (laughs) And thus cementing his legacy as an amazing pilot. One of the things that I think is so fun about Luke now, looking back on it, is every time a reference to him comes up, it's almost always Luke, the pilot who blew up the Death Star. Yep. It's never the Jedi Knight who, you know, took down the Emperor. It's so funny. Well, it's it also helps that basically he gets instant fame yeah because in the rebel alliance they're like great work here's a gold medal that your wiki friend's not going to get and you're a commander we're just going to promote you to commander sure you technically needed to go to a military academy to have this like rank but you (laughs) blew up the death star that's got to count for something and you look great in that gold jacket you just look like leadership material you're a commander (laughs) and so you know, he gets to release a leap to the front of the head. He goes and he forms his own squadron. He goes and in, in him and Wedge, like, form Rogue Squadron, yep. his own command already. Yep. And in the Imperial world, he is enemy numero uno. He suddenly has the biggest bounty in his head, and everybody wants to kill the guy who blew up the Death Star. That's right, including Boba Fett. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you gotta You gotta put him in there somewhere. And so, you know, it's not hard to argue that Luke's biggest claim to fame is his piloting skills. It, it, it's, it's, I think, a lot of how there's a very certain group of fans, I think, who remember Luke as a pilot first. Yeah. You know, that, that Death Star attack run is, while it isn't him with a lightsaber, while it isn't him on his own, while it isn't him with some great moral dilemma, it's still just a visually appealing and satisfying and exciting moment in Star Wars. Yeah. And it is such a influence to the things that have come after it. And I think another thing that you can look at in the whole history of Luke, it's the it's also the only time he is intuitively chasing his destiny. Yeah. Right. After that, he's like, uh, should I become a Jedi? Should I seek Yoda? Should I go against my father? Should I? Like, he gets much more conflicted after this. Mm-hmm. When he's in that cockpit running that attack run, everything's making sense. Yes. Everything's going the way he expected his future yes. to go. Um, And like we said, he forms Rogue Squadron. They go on misadventures. We're not sure how many because what's <laughs> canon, what's not. Yeah. Um, But we know that they're all formed together because, you know, Wedge is hunting for him on on Hoth, and then they all go out together against the ATSD strike, and then w- we basically see Luke like going like, "All right, time to get off planet. I'm gonna hop on my X-wing and do the 
the freighter, you know, freighter support, and uh, we clear. Cool, guys. I gotta go to Degaba. I'm, I'm sorry. What commander rank privilege of rank? I gotta go on a <laughs> on an impromptu vacation. I'm gonna spend those vacation days. See you guys later. <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah, think about it. He's happens. in it. He's in an active command. Well, admittedly, I guess the whole thing is the rebel fleet is scattering to the wind, and they'll reconvene later. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, he's got he's got time. The, you know, those the, big ships take a while. You can't take them on the highway. I was to say the rebel lines may not have the best HR team, so <laughs> it may just be like, uh, did he take vacation days? Well, okay, as long as he's not going over budget, I guess we'll just write it down. Fine. Um, what, how long was he on Dagobah? No one knows. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was at least a couple of hours, if not two months. Definitely somewhere in between there. And the next thing we see is Luke, you know, spending all his time getting, we talked about this in the X-Wing segment, like saving his X-Wing, the thing he cares about the most until he's kind of realizing that maybe my destiny as a force user is more important than me being a hotshot pilot. Yeah, eventually it takes over, but I still love that, like, we see Luke later on, um, while we don't get to see him on film pilot something, we've gotten some fun moments of him piloting ships in some of the comic books now. Yeah, uh, you know he's got these fun modified ships he uses with his padawans. Uh, so Luke still cares about flying. You know, we also get to see Luke sort of the pilot come back later on the speeder bike on Endor, mm-hmm. which is a nice change of pace because, oh, maybe we'll never really get to see Luke go into battle in a ship again. But at least we get that. Yeah, moment. it doesn't. Yeah, because he's not really part of it, and we see him fly a Lambda shuttle off of the Death Star yeah. and and some bits and bobs like that. But yeah, most of his legacy as a pilot is not necessarily over but visually it is because yeah. the After next time Hoth, we don't ever get to see him battle in space or you know battle in a ship again correct and that's eh, unfortunate a little sad a little, a little sad. sad but it's such an inquint- quintessential part of who he is mm-hmm. you know maybe we'll get more one day oh yeah i mean i, I we, we could very easily get more young luke stuff i i would murder people for <laughs> a a rogue squadron property like just to bring more tales of that even if it has nothing to do with the books just the idea of here's luke and wedge and hobby and all these characters going off and being pilots doing pilot stuff for sure for sure yeah alphabet squadron i know is scratching that itch for a lot of people yeah uh and it's a ton of fun because it takes place right after the fall of the emperor and so you know you're getting a lot of the same vibes uh, but I, I get it. Rogue Squadron has. I wore my Rogue Squadron hat today. Oh, nice. Uh, if you saw, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. I have this uh, blue hat with like a, a red uh, rebel symbol and it's got Rogue Squadron on the back. Kind of fun. <sighs> Rogue Squadron's great. It is. I love it. All right. Well, I, anything else we want to say about Luke's piloting no, days? No, I mean, it's an iconic scene. It's an iconic look. And it's a huge part of what brings a lot of people into Star Wars is that moment is Luke the pilot. And. Uh, it definitely deserves attention for that. And uh, it just makes me want to go watch the movie. So let's do that. Let's go do that. You know, I've said it a lot of times that we're bringing this one for a landing, but out of all of them, this might be the most we're bringing it in for a landing. We are. The, of all of the them. The gears are coming down. The repulsors are firing. We've got a smooth landing. No hyperspace skipping here. We've been doing a pretty flighty episode this time. <laughs> That's how I would describe it, too, for yeah, sure. Yeah. This was uh, by the seat of our pants, by the seat of our flight suits. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Nothing. Uh, yeah, nothing but. Uh, it's a weird summer. Oh, God. It's a weird summer. <laughs> it is, man. Uh, speaking of ships, Star Wars Squadrons is coming out in it a couple is. of months. I know you're excited. I know I'm excited. Uh, I think that's part of the reason I think this has been a little more front of mind, yeah. too. I really hope it doesn't make me motion sick. Uh, I hope for But you I can't wait to play it. Are you going to play it in VR? I am. I'm excited. Yeah. I, I don't know how long I'll be able to play it in VR. <laughs> um, I, actually, I take that back. I, there's a there's a really good flight simmy kind of space game called uh, Elite Dangerous that I've spent 
hours in VR in. So, because the thing about the thing is, that's really nice about VR and ships specifically is your body doesn't want to fight you as much because what your body is feeling is that you're sitting in a chair and what you're supposed to be feeling when you're in the cockpit of a, of an X-Wing is you're sitting in a chair. <laughs> so like, even though you're doing all this dizzying, like ups and downs and stuff, that's all visual and yeah. your brain can make sense of that. Cause it wouldn't feel that your body should. Okay. As an actual functional pilot, like no, your body does feel really weird when you start doing weird banks and stuff. But <laughs> like it, I, I've found it. That's one of the experiences that actually works really, really well. It's more the walking around or like the zero G stuff mm-hmm. where your body cannot match what's happening in the game because you don't live in zero G or you can't really walk the same space in the real world you are in the virtual world. That's where that stuff gets hammered. But it's X-Wing slash TIE Fighter in VR. Of course I'm going to play it in VR. Mac, I am so excited for you. It's going to be great. I'm excited to play it too. Uh, I'm a big fan of playing games in first person. So like when I'm racing my pod... Uh, yeah, I'm, you know I'm in first person for yeah. sure. So I'm a big fan of the way this looks inside the cockpit uh, of the ships. I, th- I mean, I think it's going to be a blast. Um, Me too. I it's can't wait to play the away. story. No, a couple months. October, like October? right? October fourth. Yeah. And what's crazy is I know we're not thinking about this maybe this far ahead, but right around that time, you know, that's the fourth is probably a Tuesday. Yeah, that Friday. Yeah, Friday is a Force Friday. Could be a Mandalorian Friday. Oh, right. Think yes. about it. Right. So if if it's happening on Tuesday the fourth, I mean the Mandalorian could be starting that weekend. Oh. Assuming they stick with Friday releases, like the future have. is bright for Star Wars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like we, we've kind of gotten out of the desert of 2020 for Star Wars related content because mm-hmm. the books are coming, the yep. TV shows are coming. 2021 is going to be a packed year of a lot of great stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm looking super duper forward. Uh, I just finished Shadowfall. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, well worth reading if you're into ships and and you're into that kind of thing. Um. I am going to hold my opinions on it until the third book. Well, you also said you were kind of feeling with Alphabet Squad. You're like, these are good, but they're maybe not for me. Yeah. And I do still feel that way. I think they're something about the way they're written just might not be for me, but I do still enjoy reading them. And there definitely is a lot to take home there for sure. Sure. Uh, I also finished a Legends book recently, Fatal Alliance, another Mm. one of the old Republic books. So I'm still slowly and steadily making my way through my Legends reread. So updates on that as it comes. Till all are one. Till you've read all of them. I'm on my way. <laughs> I'm on my way. Soon I'll be able to say it. All right. Well, I think that's all we need to really say. Again, thank you for joining us. This is our 50th episode. 50. Wow. We have made 50. In two more, we will have made a year worth of this. <sighs> Crazy. Also, we released with five episodes. So our year celebration is a little ways <laughs> off. Wait for that. Yeah. Yeah, but we it's will, crazy. Yeah, we will have that uh, coming up soon. But it's a ton of fun. I mean, hey, we're still going strong. It's been an insane journey. Yeah, you and know, we haven't missed one. Not, knock on wood. Uh, yes, we, we've been really, really good. And I'll be honest, it's it's all because of the people listening right now. You, you, mm-hmm. the listener. Mm-hmm. Thank you so mm-hmm. much because we... we Probably would have stopped by now. We would have probably stopped by now. <laughs> yeah. But our small contingency of rebel fighters, our, our ragtag group of freedom fighters that are going like, you guys, are, you guys are pretty good. We don't believe you, but thank you so much for continuing We're to listen. On it day in and day out, trying to make it a little bit more interesting as we go. And we will keep making better and better episode by episode. But for now, I think that's all we have to say. So I'm Mac. And I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday. May the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and the respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.